come, O come, Emmanuel, a nation pleads in waiting, a prayer, a hope, a wish just made, while prophets and priests are debating. Some say a king to take the throne, our occupation ended. Some say a preacher he will be, but this is not recommended. For our chains weigh heavy upon our hearts, our freedom is what we plead for. From Egypt, from Babel, and even from Rome, we're captives and have been indeed for. Four hundred years and seventy more, even twelve hundred and sixty days. Messiah is coming, O hear Israel, our God will arrive whom we praise with sword. With sword and with shield Messiah is nigh, the great son of David he'll be. But how he will come, not just who he is, is a question that's lost on me. I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That, a show that explores the motivations of biblical characters and how their choices can guide yours. The prophet Hosea uttered the words, Out of Egypt I called my son. And God in the book of Exodus instructs Moses to go unto Pharaoh and say, This is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son, and I told you to let my son go, that he may worship me. Israel is the firstborn of God. The ancient custom of the firstborn was that, while other children may indeed come later, the firstborn receives a double portion of the inheritance. Other nations will be blessed, but none more than Israel, none more than God's own people. And while so much emphasis is put on the firstborn in the Jewish economy, a closer look at Scripture, however, will show that God seems to constantly subvert the expectations of that firstborn, almost as if he's trying to say something. Eve's firstborn is Cain, yet Abel and Seth are the righteous ones. It is Ishmael firstborn to Abraham, not Isaac, and to Isaac it is Esau, not Jacob. Jacob has Reuben, not Joseph, and Moses is not a firstborn. David would have been completely missed had Samuel just blessed Jesse's first. And Solomon, the wisest of all, the one in whom Israel finally reaches its full potential, he too was not a firstborn. Throughout all of Scripture, God is continually subverting the privileges and the positions that one would expect to be given to the firstborn sons and is instead giving the blessings and responsibilities to less likely candidates. Ironically, should sin not have entered the world, one can safely assume the prophecies of the role, responsibilities, and requirements of the Messiah would actually just have been fulfilled through Israel. It was Israel that was to bless the world. Israel was to show them who God was. They were to set the captives free, to bring sight to the blind, food to the hungry, love to the brokenhearted. But Israel 
was a firstborn too. Much like Adam before them, potential wasted. Through captivities, occupations, and destructions, Israel was constantly reminded of its need of a savior. One who would free them from their tyrants, contend with those who contend with them, one who would save their children. A savior, yes, but a soldier indeed. For if all you've ever witnessed was war, if all the relief you've ever known was brought through force, Joshua, Gideon, Samson, David, if all you've ever known was sword and shield, then your savior must come ready for a battle. But God has a thing about subverting expectations. For 400 years, God was silent until he called Moses to go to Pharaoh. And so it was before the birth of Christ. 400 more years of silence on the part of God. And you wonder why? Why so quiet right before the end? Consider that perhaps from God's perspective, he's never been quiet. He had left his word. And the captivity of Egypt, the occupation of Rome, both of these were prophesied because it is in verbal silence that God directs his people to study his word. For if they had studied the word, they would have known the Messiah. It wasn't the nobles that awaited his coming. It wasn't the Pharisees or the Sadducees. The Sanhedrin, the very best scholars in Jerusalem, preoccupied with the law over the lawmaker, the chosen people, the royal priesthood, busy. Instead of those from Israel, it was those from the East who knew. With nothing more than the prophecies of Balaam and Daniel, they saw the star and marched. Instead of the nobles and scholars, it was the poor shepherds, humble students of the word, that the angels chose to hear the greatest song ever sung. Instead of Jerusalem, it was Bethlehem. Instead of riches, it was poverty. Instead of nobility, it was homelessness. Instead of the upper class, it was the working class. His family would not sit at large tables. No, they'd build them. They would not be handed things on a platter. They'd work and they'd work hard. He would not come with sword and shield, but with pen and paper. He would deliver not with might and force, but with words and love. Yes, death and life is in the power of the tongue, but only life would pour forth from his lips. His cry would not be one for battle. No, his cry would be that of a suckling, a child clinging onto life, wholly dependent on a woman who was no queen, but rather a poor, young, unmarried woman who would eventually outlive both her husband and her son. His words would not incite rebellion, but would instead bring sight to those seen as rebellious. The lame would speak, the deaf would hear, and the dead would live again. His words were blessings, not curses, but he rained them down upon the holy and the wicked. Even as death encroached upon him, he would not deliver himself forcibly, never mind his people. Truly, the question must be asked, what child is this? But I think Mary did know. As she held him, as he cried in her arms in the cold night, I think she knew. You see, the ignorant looks at the babe and asks, how can a child bring deliverance? 
How can a child save you? When you've been in that room, when you have witnessed a birth, the creation of new life, you just know. How can a child save us? Friends, children have been saving us forever. You can have lived however you pleased, sought all the pleasure in the world, and then one day you sit down and you hold your newborn child and you're saved. You just are. If you've sat there, you get it. For me, it was July 5th, 2021. I watched as my wife gave birth to our first son. I thought I knew what I wanted in life, what I would do, where I would go, who I would be. And then I held him and I was almost instantly saved from my selfish ways. Now, I don't live for me, I live for him. My time is not mine, it's his. My money is not mine, it's his. My prayers are not for me, they're for him. And yet he is just a baby. He will fall, he will sin, he will at times go astray. And yet I will have the privilege of teaching my firstborn of another child, a child that never strayed, a child that obeyed every word that proceedeth from the mouth of his father, a child that grew in wisdom and stature with God and with man, a child who became a real man, one who put others before himself, one who chose sacrifice over selfishness, a man who would suffer for my sins, for my son's sins. What child is this? This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds watch and whom angels sing, whom we ought to watch for, whom we ought to sing for. So haste, haste to bring him grace, for he brought it to us in abundance, wherever sin abounded. What child is this? This babe, this son of Mary, this, this child is the son of God. Hey! Oh, wait, hold on. Let me just. Ah, there we go. Oh, and, um, yeah, let me just turn this up as well. Perfect. So, where were we? Yes, we hope you enjoyed our little Christmas special episode. What child is this? Christmas is such a special season, and it gives us such an amazing opportunity to reach others with the good news that. Not only did Jesus come to earth, but he's coming back again. People are more open to that message at this time of year than any other. So take as many opportunities as you can to spread the good news now. And with that, it would mean an awful lot to us if you could share this short episode on your social media channels. Share it on Instagram, you know, make your own reels about it, TikTok, Facebook, anywhere. Let's get the good news out there. And lastly, and this is truly coming from the heart, Thank you all for your support over the course of this year. Season four is out with more episodes of it on the way. We'll have a new merchandise store on our webpage in January. You can still support us on Patreon and get ad-free episodes. There's so much more on there. It's a great time to be a Why They Did That fan. And we're hoping to make some really big moves in 2024. To God be the glory. Have a blessed Christmas, y'all. And a happy, happy new year.